Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the, I keep wanting to say the Green Room podcast, but the Green Room hasn't been around a little bit, thanks to uh, circumstances with the Michigan State basketball team, but a March Madness podcast, nonetheless. Um, Michigan's still rolling. Uh, they're in the Elite uh, elite Eight with a, with a pretty dominating victory over Florida State yesterday, 76 to 58. They advanced to play uh, you know, the surprising Bruins in UCLA on uh, Monday night, uh, the late game, 10 o'clock uh, in the Elite Eight for a chance uh, chance to get to the Final Four um, against uh, likely Gonzaga. So uh, Michigan's rolling, and so that means James Hawkins is taking up residency in the great state of Indiana. He's still there. Uh, James, how are you? Yes, I am. I'm good. I am making this Marriott my – permanent residence for this for this month at least have you hung like art on the walls or anything like that yet <laughs> just hang on no not yet i probably should bring some uh touches of home since this is uh, my new home basically now if they win michigan wins tomorrow are you going to drive back again like you did last time or are you going to stay in indiana this time i'm gonna drive back i can't i can't get enough of the beautiful state of indiana and ohio um on my, on my trek back to michigan I will indeed make that lovely drive once more. You're a, you're a different breed, man. The, the sports writers back in the day, they loved being on the road. They loved racking up those Marriott points. So you're a, you're a different breed though with driving back. I, I, I think that's probably why you still have the beat because you're, the company appreciates your, uh, your thriftiness, if I will. Yeah. The, new, the new cost-efficient breed. <laughs> I like it. So 76-58 Michigan over Florida State yesterday. Michigan um, – they, they have something going on. They're definitely believing in themselves. You can kind of see it. Um, not a lot of people maybe thought they'd get to this point when the bracket was revealed. It was considered a very tough, difficult bracket. And Michigan, of course, was shorthanded without Isaiah Livers. Uh, but you're seeing a lot of guys step up, including, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Johns, who you wrote about very well the other day. Um, he's starting to really uh, find his find his stride with Michigan and also uh, – uh, Shawnee Brown is, uh, is, is a difference maker here and uh, just a lot of pieces really coming together at the right time. And, and that's what you see in March Madness. You see, you know, you see, you see complete teams, you see good backcourts, uh, you know, um, you see, you know, don't necessarily need that one star in March Madness time um, to, to get to this point. That's what you're seeing with Michigan. You're seeing a team here. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's kind of how it's been all season long with them. It's like, yeah, like you mentioned, I think the ceiling for Michigan, I guess, uh, for the NCAA tournament got lowered, obviously losing Isaiah Livers, but it's almost like they're just winning like they've been winning all season, um, which I guess is what's maybe surprising some people just because of the fact that they did lose one of their top scorers and one of their top three-point shooters. Um, but I mean, this, this past game against Florida State, um, I think a lot of people saw it as probably their, their toughest matchup. Um, just given Florida State's length and their and their defense is uh, so aggressive and and they and they press and it kind of just can rattle teams. But 
I mean, Michigan from start to finish, it looked like it took them a few minutes, like early on to maybe just kind of get the feel for Florida state's defense. But I mean, they really just kind of controlled this entire game. I think Florida state led like, you know, in the first couple of minutes, but then after that, I mean, Michigan led like the final 35 minutes of the game or something. And, uh, like the first half, I, I mean, I think you saw just how good Michigan can be on both sides of the ball. I mean, Florida State was turning the ball over. It seemed like on every every other possession they had in the first half. I mean, they, they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. But, I mean, you just saw how good Michigan's defense was. I mean, actually when Florida State was trying to to use their length and attack the rim and Michigan just continued to contest every shot and just limit them to one shot and keep them off the offensive boards. And then the second half, um, I mean, Michigan just put on like an offensive clinic. Like they just – I mean, they had 18, 18 buckets on 15 assists. I mean, they just continued to move the ball and just pick apart Florida State's defense and just kind of use their aggression against them uh, with back cuts and just finding that moving the ball and getting into the paint. So, um, yeah, this was definitely not uh, the type of performance I was expecting. I mean, when we had to make our predictions, you know, right when the bracket was revealed, this was – the round I the round in the team I thought Michigan was going to fall to just because I felt, you know, they would lose some sort of firepower uh, without Isaiah Livers. But um, I mean, as we saw, they just put to get together another, you know, complete performance, um, and just looked like that kind of juggernaut version that they were, you know, earlier in the season when they did have Isaiah Livers. Yeah, pretty much from like what the six seven point minute point in the first half to through the end of the game, they dominated this game. Um, I know Florida State, uh, you know, they, you know, they made a little bit of noise early in the second half. They had those back-to-back threes, but just Michigan responded and, and just and just put them away. I think the surprising thing here was the defensive effort, like you kind of alluded to. Um, you know, this is this is a Florida State team with some firepower, and uh, you know, Michigan's, you know, uh, they've been a pretty balanced team all year. But the, the defensive effort, I think, was impressive, and I think also the rebounding. I mean, I think you wrote the Florida State. Uh, you know, according to Ken Palm, I think was considered, you know, their rotation is considered the tallest or, you know, tallest in, 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 in division one and Michigan, you know, mm-hmm. just dominated the boards. And I think that was, I mean, that was a bit of a surprise. I mean, Franz Wagner had 10 rebounds. Michigan State dominated the boards 37, 31. Um, and even, you know, uh, even, uh, was even they got more offensive rebounds. I think that was a, a little bit of a surprise. I mean, they just, they got everything. I mean, it was just I, – I, I just didn't see a dominating performance like this coming uh, on both ends of the ball. No, definitely not at all. Yeah, like and like you alluded to, yeah, um, Florida State per Ken Palm, they, they have the, the tallest tallest team in the nation. I think it's almost like 6'7 or something like that. And, I mean, their starting backcourt was, you know, 6'5", 6'4". Um, they had like a seven-footer in the middle um, to, to kind of match Hunter Dickinson. Um, so they were a big team. And, and I think the biggest stat that really stands out is the points in the paint. I mean, Michigan scored 50 of their 76 points in the paint. Um, that is something I would not have expected uh, coming into this game. And I mean, if you just look at how they shot from the perimeter too, I mean, they only made three of their 11 threes. They missed eight free throws and they still won by 18. I mean, that's incredible. And, and yeah, the rebounding was, was huge. Um, keeping Florida state off the boards and, and it was impressive to see some of these, some of the offensive rebounds that Michigan got, like, there was one in the second half where like Shawnee Brown went up over, like, it seemed like three Seminoles and he just grabbed the, grabbed the board and, you know, scored on a putback. Um, so I think that was like Michigan, they made Florida state pay a lot on, on every time they turned the ball over. And I think they were, they were able to capitalize on, you know, a lot of their offensive rebounds. And I think that was, those were kind of two keys uh, 
in the game. And, and those were like a couple stats. I mean, if just looking at this, at this matchup on paper, um, those are maybe stats that you, you felt might have favored Florida State more so um, before the game. Um, but then after, as we saw after the game, I mean, a lot of those numbers or a lot of those areas where you felt that, you know, Florida State's, you know, size and length would have given them the advantage. Um, I mean, Michigan kind of held the edge um, after the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, rebounding was 37-31, offensive rebounding 11-9. And then just the balance attack scoring-wise, no one really – took over for Michigan, but they had four guys in double figures, Brandon Johns and Hunter Dickinson with 14 apiece, uh, Franz Wagner with 13, and uh, Shonday Brown with 12. And, of course, uh, Wagner also had those 10 rebounds um, and five assists, too. So a really good game for him. And um, Well, he's, uh, you know, as, as, as has been the, the popular uh, talking point on Twitter is the, the, uh, the Wagner parents need to have some more kids. Because <laughs> they're, they're – uh, uh, these guys are, are born to shine. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, when I heard Franz Wagner was coming, I, I didn't know much about him, but I covered Mo his first year. And I, I didn't think that there's a possibility that they could have a, a Wagner who was more energetic and more uh, just, uh, just, uh, just a stud on the floor than, than, than Mo. And, and Franz is, is putting him to the test. He's, uh, he's living for this moment as well. Um, by the way, you mentioned points in the paint. Uh, two of those are from Jace Howard. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was a beautiful drive to the basket, by the way, by him. Uh, so that was fun to see. Um, but Leonard Hamilton spoke after the game, Florida State coach. And um, I, I know that uh, um, that those comments stood out. And for the uh, the readers who went to bed early, didn't, didn't check those out. What did he have to say about Michigan after the game? Uh, yeah, he was just he just praised them thoroughly throughout his uh, throughout his post game presser. Um, the, the main things that he really that he really kind of talked about was he just felt like Michigan was just prepared and he just praised their execution on, on both ends of the floor. Um, he just talked about, you know, their patience, their, their spacing on offense, um, just the, the job they did uh, taking care of the ball. Um, and he kind of mentioned, like, like you pointed out, the, uh, in the second half when Florida State kind of made that run where they made back-to-back threes and they cut it to five. Um, I mean, Michigan didn't get rattled at all. They just – just continued humming along. And I think they went on like a 21 to seven run or something like that to just kind of blow the game open. Um, but the biggest thing he talked about how both teams he felt were aggressive. Um, he just felt that, you know, Michigan was more so the aggressor and uh, getting to the line more. I mean, if, if you've seen the, the final stats, you know, Florida state only attempted six free throws, Michigan attempted 23. Um, so that was kind of a, another key stat in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, Leonard Hamilton just kind of had, you know, nothing but praise about Michigan. And he felt that, uh, I mean, if, if they kind of uh, played like they did uh, Sunday night, he felt that they could, you know, be a team that would, uh, has a chance of winning it all. And, you know, they can kind of, uh, they kind of reinserted themselves, so to speak, in that, you know, the national title discussion with, you know, I guess where everyone sees, you know, Gonzaga and Baylor kind of being a, a cut above the rest. So um, plenty of good stuff to say about Michigan. Um, and another key thing too is when, you know, Leonard Hamilton touched on, you know, Michigan's preparation, Franz Wagner, after the game, he talked about how, uh, I mean, Michigan kind of knew, like they knew what was going to happen to him. They knew what Florida State was going to do. They knew they were going to switch the ball screens. They knew they were going to press. And he just talked about how they were prepared for, for everything they were going to see. And they, they just focused on attacking closeouts and, and moving the ball and kind of exploiting those weaknesses. And, and like I said earlier, I think in the second half, um, you clearly saw that when Michigan just was efficient. They just put on a clinic, just picking apart uh, Florida State's offense and throughout the entire second half to just kind of blow the game open. 
Yeah, I think that that's just a stunning thing. And, and as you mentioned, Michigan, three of 11 on three-pointers. Three-pointers, one of their calling cards, you know, for forever, it seems like. And uh, they didn't need that. Wagner was 0 for 4. It's the only thing he didn't do well in the game. Um, and uh, and like you said, they missed eight free throws and still, um, you know, blew him out by 18. Um, and it barely even seemed that close most of the game. So, uh, a, a very impressive performance from Michigan, 76-58. That moves them in to the Elite Eight uh, again. Uh, Michigan's becoming a pretty frequent uh, a frequent uh, guest in the Elite Eight. I think this is, what, their fourth since 2013, uh, yeah. um, which I believe is tied for first or first in the nation. Um, so um, very impressive uh, what they've been able to do. And, and especially, again, this year, you know, you, you lose a big player and um, you know, we all talked about Livers was, was going to be, an, you know, an issue not having him. But sometimes when you tell when you tell anybody you can't do something over and over and over again, it just motivates you to want to do that something over and over and over again. Uh, <laughs> but especially kids, you know, when you tell young people that they can't do something, um, they're a little bit more resilient than even adults can be. A lot of the times they're they're more passionate. They're more, uh, you know, they just they want to prove you wrong. And they're doing that. And uh, and I think. You know, it's it's opening up the offense a little bit, um, which sometimes that can do when you take your star player, a star star scorer out of a game. It can open up the offense, and I think you're seeing that a little bit. Um, and so uh, they're they're rolling right now, and they got a really good matchup coming up. Uh, they play on Monday night uh, or Tuesday night. I'm sorry, the late game, 9:57 against UCLA. UCLA, of course, an 88. 78 winner over Alabama in overtime. Well, what a dud that overtime was. Alabama makes the three with, uh, you know, no <laughs> left to send the game to overtime. And, and then UCLA is like, all right, fine. And then just uh, ends that game. Uh, so it'll be UCLA 21-9 against Michigan 23-4, 9-57 Tuesday night. Um, couldn't have asked for a better matchup. I, I think uh, UCLA is, you know, they're, they're dangerous because they're one of these teams. You know, you see these teams every year. You know, they're a little overlooked. Um, but uh, watching them against Michigan State, I mean, it's a very beatable team for Michigan. This, I don't think they could have a better matchup here. Yeah, I think the, I think the key kind of heading into this game, I think, is going to be the three-point shooting. I think if you look at what UCLA has been able to do um, so far in the tournament, I mean, they've made at least seven threes in, in, in every game so far. I mean, they made nine against Michigan State. I mean, they made half their three-point attempts in that game, that first four matchup. Um, I mean, against Alabama, they made they made 10 threes. Um, and I think the, the big thing for Alabama, I mean, Alabama kind of choked the game away. I mean, they they shot, you know, 11 for 25 from the free throw line. I mean, they <laughs> which is almost I mean, impossible to do. I mean, that's almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, if you make your free throws, they would have won that game. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think the, the three point shooting is probably just going to be key because I mean, UCLA, it looks like they've been getting a little lucky, too. Um, I mean, and their opponents have been shooting. I mean. You look at how, what, what the teams have been doing against them. I mean, Michigan State shot, you know, 33% from deep. Uh, their next opponent, I mean, BYU was 3 of 17. Uh, Abilene Christian was 4 of 19, and Alabama was 7 for 28. So it seems like they've had a little bit of three-point luck on their side, and they've been winning that, that three-point battle, which has kind of helped spur this, uh, spur this run that they've made. But, um, yeah, for them, it seems like they have, like, really a, a two-man – two-man punch that really stands out in uh, the Jaime Jaquez and Johnny Druzang. I'm hoping I'm saying their names right. I apologize. We'll, if I we'll, we'll call them double quadruple J's. How about that? 
Yeah. Uh, no, so those those two guys. Five J's. Like it's, it's it'd be five J's because you got the junior, so you got JJ. Yeah, yeah. JJ. <laughs> yeah. No. So it seems like those guys have really like broken out and kind of you know turned into star roles uh, throughout this postseason for them. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting matchup. Uh, I mean, definitely can't be taken lightly. I mean, no team can at this point, um, especially beating a, an Alabama team that I think a lot of people maybe, if you know, people had Michigan making it this far, I think this was a team that. Uh, Alabama was the team that uh, most people maybe viewed uh, Michigan falling to. So, I mean, definitely this, I think this is of the matchups. I think this is the one that probably Michigan obviously would have, would have preferred. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, this is the time of year though, man, you get these teams that go on these, go on these runs and get the ball kind of bouncing their way and they, and they get some luck going their way. And uh, I mean, we've seen it with Michigan in the past. I mean, it takes a little luck to, to make a run. I mean, you look at Trey Burke shot, um, you know, in 2013, you look at Jordan Poole's buzzer beater um, in 2018. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. But, yeah, I think the three-point the three point shooting is, I think, going to be maybe just one of the keys to this game, just looking at how um, UCLA's kind of won that battle um, in their first four games so far. UCLA, actually, you know, they're 11 seed, but, you know, they're 16 in Ken Palm. Um, so, I mean, they're not completely out of the blue here. Uh, they have, uh, you know, and as we're seeing also is that is the Pac-12 is pretty, pretty damn good. Um, we've seen that throughout the tournament. They've uh, they've put the Big Ten to shame um, when it comes to the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, it's an 11 seed by by name only or by number only. I, I, I think they're better than that. And I think they're proving that um, they have gotten some fortunate breaks as you need along the way in the NCAA tournament. They got Michigan State to kind of fall apart in the first four game, and they got Alabama to be absolutely awful from three point and free throw line yesterday, and uh, and, and here they are. And so it's a another intriguing matchup for Michigan. Uh, but uh, honestly, I did believe, and even if Alabama won that game, even I, I believe I thought that Florida State was Michigan's toughest opponent until the final four, and I still believe that. Obviously, uh, I think this is a game that if Michigan plays like they did yesterday they're going to win this game and they're going to go to a final four and they're going to play Gonzaga, which I think is a match of everyone's really intrigued to see because Michigan would be Gonzaga's best opponent this season. And um, uh, I think Gonzaga did play Iowa early. Right. But uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think everyone wants to see this game and they want to see they're intrigued by how, how Gonzaga holds up. So Michigan's got to get the job done on their end. Nine fifty-seven. You a fan of the late games or you could be able to stay awake for that one. You drink coffee. Yeah, I'll have to take a, a pregame nap for that. Um, so yeah, but no, I don't think I don't think I'm allowed to complain. I mean, it's just part of the job. Um, I think fans can complain, yeah, because I think fans, if they have to wake up, uh, you know, working a nine to five or something, I think think right. that's not ideal. But um, I don't think I have any right to complain about right. the late tip. Uh, the other game is uh, the earlier game. Before that, will be Gonzaga. Uh, they are an 83-65 winner over Creighton. And uh, USC was an 82-68 winner over Oregon. Um, and so the USC will play Gonzaga. Um, yesterday was actually kind of a clunker of a day. It was the first clunker day, I think, in the NCAA tournament this year. You know, no uh, craziness other than Alabama going to overtime, but then they got blown out in overtime. So uh, yesterday was pretty straightforward how uh, I think most people expected it. Uh, and the interesting thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people – uh, you know, there was all this talk about the, the, the doubt about Michigan going to into the NCAA tournament because of the livers and, 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 and whatnot. Um, and, but Michigan, 
you know, from a gambling perspective and, and, I, and, you know, some people like to talk gambling, some people don't, but the bottom line is it's a big deal in Michigan now. And so, uh, you know, Michigan was still a very popular pick before the tournament, even with livers out to win the national championship. And actually they were the most popular pick to win their game yesterday, which is kind of surprising given Gonzaga was playing Creighton and um, Alabama was playing UCLA. You would think that one of those games would be the most popular pick. Uh, but yesterday Michigan was actually the most bet on team um, according to most gambling sites. So there's belief out there, at least among the, uh, the betters, even if the national analysts haven't come around quite yet. Um, a lot of people, a lot of casual college basketball fans really like Michigan. So uh, it's going to be interesting. The path is there now. Uh, I'm, I'm, I really hope to God we get that Michigan-Gonzaga game uh, because I think uh, the nation wants to see, uh, obviously Michigan would be a, a huge blue blood program to be in that final four, but um well, so would UCLA, but, you know, they're not as great of a team as they typically have been over the years, but everyone wants to see Gonzaga and how they would hold up against a team like Michigan, and uh, I think it would be fascinating. So, what do you got coming up today at DetroitNews.com? I know you just probably woke up five seconds ago, uh, but what's, uh, what's coming up today and uh, previewing this UCLA matchup? Uh, we'll see what comes out of the availability. We have those later today. Like, we get UCLA first and then Michigan, so – Probably just do something previewing the game, looking at it, see what, you know, Mick Cronin and his his team has to say, and maybe just how, you know, Jawan Howard and them kind of feel about the matchup. Um, yeah, so we'll, the, we'll just see what they have to say when we have these uh, availabilities later. Yeah, though, you know, the one thing I saw yesterday, one of the narratives when when, Al- when UCLA beat Alabama over time was, was, oh, they barely beat Michigan State. Therefore... It could be Michigan, Michigan State in the in the Elite Eight, <laughs> and uh, I just love how people uh, jump to that conclusion that uh, you know because UCLA barely beat Michigan State that we should have Michigan, Michigan State Part Three in this uh, Elite Eight. And um, I, I considered tweeting something along those lines um, shortly after the UCLA game, and then I realized how many absolutely horrific. Michigan State basketball games I watched this year, and I thought better of it. I don't think that you can automatically assume Michigan State was going to make the uh, the Elite Eight just because UCLA barely beat them. That's how it goes in the tournament. You have games along the way where you're going to need some breaks and need some bounces to go your way. Um, there's very rarely a team that goes coast-to-coast in the national championship without being tested. Uh, without facing a very dangerous moment. And uh, UCLA survived that moment against Michigan State. And I'm telling you, that I don't think that anybody with a, with a brain that watched any Michigan State games could just assume that they would have gotten by the teams, BYU even, or then Alabama, or what that, that UCLA did, you know. I can't remember who they beat in their, in their third-round game or their second-round game. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that narrative is, is garbage. So as much fun as it is to talk about Michigan, Michigan State, this was not Michigan State's year. So uh, anyway, all right, well, we're going to let you get to work. Uh, check out all our coverage at DetroitNews.com. Hawkins is on the scene at least for another day. And then for some reason he was going to drive home and then drive back. Uh, putting on the miles. Are you using a rental car or your own car? No, a rental car. I don't want right. to do my, my, do my car like that. That would be a torture. <laughs> All right, well, check out DetroitNews.com for all James's coverage. Also, Wojo and Neo are on the case as well, um, opining on Michigan's, uh, Michigan's run. They've written some good stuff, so check it all out at DetroitNews.com. Uh, and if you're so inclined, uh, buy a subscription, support local journalism. 
Uh, it's important. We got great deals going on. I think like a dollar every three months or whatever. It changes all the time, but it's always a really good deal. Um, you know, if you want this coverage and if it's great coverage, then uh, sign up, be a subscriber. We'll be uh, eternally grateful uh, if you do that. James will be chiming in also on uh, uh, with the availability and uh, all things at March Madness uh, at his Twitter account, James B. Hawkins. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Paul 1984. But again, DetroitNews.com. Check out everything. James, we're going to let you get to work. We're going to let you rest up for tomorrow's big late game. And we'll catch up after that one. All right. Sounds good.